What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy. We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again. Although we are medical professionals, we are human too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how years of our lives were taken by diet culture. We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual convo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of What the Actual Fork podcast. This is Jenna. And Sammy. (laughs) We are super excited to introduce you to this episode today. Today, we have Jessica Isaacs, who is a board-certified specialist in sports dietetics for our RDs to be out there and dietitians. That's a CSSD. She is a performance dietitian at UCLA and also operates a virtual private practice. Yes, and Jessica's professional career as a sports dietitian began at Kobe Bryant's Mamba Sports Academy, where she worked with hundreds of athletes from youth to pro, providing one-on-one performance nutrition counseling, group education opportunities. She also supports Mamba's NFL pre-combine and NBA pre-draft programs and had the opportunity to support Kobe's Mamba Pro Invitational Camp which hosted several top NBA players. Jessica now works with the men's and women's basketball teams at UCLA, operating as an integral part of the performance team. Jessica believes in cutting through the BS of nutrition, misinformation, and diet culture and uses her social media as a creative way to share her performance nutrition messages and making educational content, graphics, and lots of TikToks and Reels. And honestly, like we said in this episode, she has the type of Instagram page where like you get lost in it, you laugh, you learn, and you want to find out more. So we highly recommend you guys following along on her page. I learned a lot just right before we started recording um, going through her page I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I feel like with this episode if people literally pull out your phones and follow Jessica the sports RD because I feel like we reference so many of them in the episode that you'll feel like it's almost like you're reading along with us but um I feel like she's a badass like I just got mm. that vibe from her um and I just just also learning a little bit about her history being in the military and just such a cool cool story of, of how she got to where she is today. And that she is putting out the intuitive eating and health at every size message in this very unique population of individuals where that's not the norm, right? Like how many sports dietitians out there, no disrespect to any of them, are aligned with, you know, intuitive eating and haze in that specific sport world. It's it's rare. She's like a unicorn. <laughs> yeah. And I think it was, it was cool to even hear her say like, you know, Hey, I'm not a hundred percent intuitive eating a line and she's still learning. And I think, you know, that's something you and I always say is that like, we're constantly learning and growing as dietitians mm-hmm. and, you know, intuitive eating has been around since 1995. But like you said, there's not a lot of representation in the sports field of marrying those two together. So when we have these kind of you know, social media accounts that pop up of these anti-diet sports dietitians, it's, 
it's very niche and it's really cool to see, especially just knowing there's a lot of people that listen that are sports dietitian or sports dietitians in training or just dietitians in training with an interest in sport and knowing that this is an option and you can really pave your own way in this field. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I also mentioned this in the episode, but I always wanted to be a CSSD and it's a lot of work to become one. It's no joke. And I would assume that the training, I don't want to assume as like a statement, but I, I'm sure there's not a lot of intuitive eating training in that CSSD coursework, right? And so she's really doing something that not many people are doing. And it's all, it's rooted in her own experience. She shares her story in here as well. And, you know, she's working with elite athletes who are reaching their sport goals while doing this. It's an inspiration for everybody. Um, and it just proves that intuitive eating, quote unquote, works across the board. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's what's cool about this, too, is that, you know, sports dietitians, they optimize performance. They prevent injury. Um, you know, she talks about the times that she actually does get to sit down one-on-one -on -one with, with athletes, which isn't that often. I think a lot of times people think sports dietitians are like counseling athletes nonstop, but it's really, they're getting like the red flagged ones or, you know, injury. Um, so just to see how she can kind of plant little seeds throughout the facility by talking to coaches or, you know, staff or, you know, talk, team talks and these things here and there can have such a huge effect um, just like kind of like a ripple effect, uh, in her, at her university, which is just so cool. Yeah. She's really cool. I'm excited for you guys to listen. I don't want to say anything else. Cause I'll just keep saying, <laughs> I'll just keep saying the things that I said. In the <laughs> just keep saying she's so cool. She's going to listen so cool. to this. She's going to listen to this <laughs> intro and be like, why did they like, we, we didn't tell her she was cool to her face. So Jessica, if you're listening, we think you're really cool. And, uh, she was so fun. And yeah, let's, let's just roll right into it because it's such a good episode. Enjoy, everybody. Welcome well, back, everyone, to What the Actual Fork podcast. I'm Sam and I are like so excited we're talking over each other already because we have the Jessica, the sports RD here, Miss Jessica Isaacs. And I'm just like a little bit starstruck having a moment here. You, there's so many things that I want to talk about with you and just got lost in your Instagram before we started recording that we're just thrilled to have you. Um, so welcome, welcome, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to talk to you guys. <laughs> we're super excited for this conversation because I feel like it's so niche to have somebody who's so high up, it, like working with elite athletes and just being in the sports, you know, nutrition community, but then also challenging diet culture, which on top of like that sport fitness culture, it's like a whole nother beast. So it really is. We, really hard. <laughs> yes. We, ha we had uh, Edie Shrek on a few episodes ago, and I'm sure you all you sports dietitians like know each other because it's such a niche community. But so she shared her knowledge with us, and we're so excited to hear from you. So really just to jump in, we would love to hear you. And you can take 30 seconds, 30 minutes of kind of how you got to where you are today and, and what you do. Um, were you always a you know, a dietitian fighting diet culture and in sport and kind of how, how you got, got to where you're at today. 
Yeah. So no, actually, uh, like I think so many dietitians, um, I was stuck in diet culture and that's really <laughs> what brought me into dietetics. Yeah. So I'm a second career dietitian. Um, out of high school, I joined the military and I was in the Air Force. I was an aircraft mechanic. So super in line with what I'm doing um, now, but uh, not at all. Um, <laughs> but I had an eating disorder for, gosh, started in high school and then through the military. And then I had a daughter young. And so throughout pregnancy, still struggling with this eating disorder. And it came to a head really when um, my daughter was about five years old. And um, I was also in a relationship where it was becoming more and more difficult to hide my eating disorder. Uh, and then my daughter was making comments as just like this young five-year-old girl making comments about her own body. And it really opened my eyes up to um, just the messages and the examples that I was setting for her, you know, whether I thought I was keeping this a big secret or in my struggles with body, um, a secret or not, it clearly wasn't working. So I decided to make a change at that time, had no idea what a dietitian was. And so like DIY the recovery process, which zero out of 10 do not recommend. Um, <laughs> so I found myself like, you know, trying all sorts of different diets. Cause I thought, okay, if I'm going to start eating, and um, like really eating, then I have to find a way to not gain weight, right? <laughs> like that was a struggle. Um, and you know, as we as we all know, not a, not a, just not a great path. And then took another little detour after I decided I wanted to be a dietitian. Did some research, figured out, okay, I'm super interested in nutrition. Throughout this whole process, just have really discovered a passion for it. I want to share that with the world. Um, but before I actually could start school in dietetics, ended up in the bodybuilding realm and just kind of like orthorexia, all of that like Tupperware, taking Tupperware with me everywhere, doing bodybuilding competitions, just not setting a great example again in the, the realm. So was so uh, fortunate to just find dietetics. And once I really immersed myself in, um, in the undergraduate curriculum and then starting to work with people as well, uh, really started to, I think through all of that journey, really found myself and found my voice in nutrition. Um, I knew I really wanted to work in the athletic space, uh, so I was excited to partner those two together, but I found, gosh, athletes are are not exempt from hearing all of these diet culture messages. They hear just the same things, and it's it's really, really sad and shocking some of the things that, um, that they're hearing and doing. So uh, I, let's see, from, um, I went to school at Purdue and, and spent some time there working with sports and working in the collegiate athletic setting. And then uh, when I became time to actually start into, um, into uh, my career, I took a clinical job at first and then moved out to California. I was fortunate to get some opportunities. My first one uh, working at Kobe Bryant's Mamba Sports Academy. So that was just a really incredible opportunity to really um, just get started working with youth to elite athletes and then COVID struck, lost my job, <laughs> was like, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, and then I got a call from UCLA. So that's where I'm at now. I'm working uh, with the athletes here with men's and women's basketball teams. And then on the side in my Jessica, the sports RD realm in, uh, <laughs> in social media, I do a lot of like graphics and videos and information for, for athletes, um, uh, athletes and dietetic professionals alike. And you crush TikTok too. Don't forget that. <laughs> you yeah, really you. do. Uh, or reels, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah. my, I was watching today uh, when I was stalking your social media. Where was it? I'm scrolling down to when you said you really are what you eat. And you were like running around town in a banana suit after <laughs> you ate a banana. And I was like, this is fabulous. I love it. I think so my favorite 
my favorite one is the one from Wolf of Wall Street. That's what I'm staring at. So what's your opinion on BCAAs and the scene where he's throwing the money overboard when he's on his yacht? It's amazing because we yeah. had um, Tony Castillo, who is a sports dietitian, on like months ago and BCAAs is like the topic that he loves to talk about because it's just such bullshit. It really um, is. But I love it. But I can imagine you in the sports field like how do you tell your athletes how do you take that Instagram post and turn that into the athletes that you work with I I can imagine they are being sold them they are reliant on them because that's what they maybe used in high school growing up whatever it is you know how do you make that clear and what do you fight against in the college setting I'll say the videos and the posts really help because a lot of my athletes follow me and they'll see information there. I'm here in the building all day with my athletes, but a lot of times, you know, I get a lot of the small touches, but sometimes we don't have time to like sit down and have a full conversation in the course of a day. So maybe I miss some questions. So the social media actually really helps me to kind of have those conversations or maybe something that they've been doing and they haven't thought to talk to me about yet or ask me questions about yet. Then they see a post and then they have that conversation. But yeah, it's, you know, with athletes, it's a lot of, and, and anybody truly, it's trust building. You know, you got to figure out where, where, who they trust and where they're getting in their information first. Um, and then for me, it's been, my mission has been to just earn that trust with them so that they're coming to me for those questions. And when they are approached or, you know, we're in Southern California. Um, so they, <laughs> we, there's all sorts of access. There's a lot of distractions for the athletes and um, all sorts of brands that are reaching out to work with them. So finding a way to get in there and, and establish myself as, you know, obviously um, a person of, of, of credible authority, but also just gaining their trust so that they, they know that I have their best interest in mind um, when we're having those conversations. Uh, that's, it's, my head goes to as well, so amazing to be able to have you, right, as a resource. And, and that's awesome from an athlete perspective. Another, like, deeper question, or I guess the second part of that question is, coaching staff. So not necessarily mm. specific to UCLA, but you know, you've obviously worked with strength coaches and trainers and head coaches for years working with athletes. And as we know, coaches aren't dietitians, right? Or they don't, <laughs> they don't have the experience that we do, but they are humans who eat food and have opinions on food. So how do you how do you gain the coach's respect or how do you how do you navigate that that relationship between a coach who maybe has strong beliefs about if their athlete should be vegan or keto or whatever it may be. Sure. And a lot of the same, it's trust building. You know, the coaches need to know that I'm here taking care of their athletes and that what the end mission that they want is the end mission that I want to, um, and that this is my area and I've got it covered so you can do your thing. Right. Um, but <laughs> there's a lot, when I was at Mamba, I definitely struggled with this more because I was, I was more of a private practice there and relying on the strength coaches to, um, to refer clients to me really, because they were coming in the facility to train either with a sports specific coach or with a performance coach. And a lot of times they didn't know who I was. So I needed that recommendation coming from the strength coach in order for them to even just come in my door. And so they have to be bought into me too. And that was a struggle for sure there. I haven't had as much of a struggle here, I will say, um, because on my women's team, um, the coach, the head coach is really, really bought into nutrition. We had a 
at, you know, initially maybe some differing of opinions, but I think she's, she's got the trust in me to understand that, um, what I, what I'm doing for her athletes is coming from a place of, um, you know, evidence-based, but also just really caring for, for the complete athlete. And so she trusts me to, to, to navigate that on the men's side it's a little bit different you know they they're kind of like guys can go it seems like they can go a lot further with just like not ever caring about nutrition until <laughs> a little bit later in life and like somehow be incredible athletes so for them you know my team went for like first four to final four in the ncaa tournament and at the end of that is like no talking to them because they're like what do you mean what get better <laughs> we are we are we're great right um <laughs> So it's a little bit of education over time. You know, I've got a lot of the coaches that kind of hang around our fueling station and, and all over here, just some sort of conversations that I'll, you know, drop in on here and there, like maybe kind of sprinkle some wisdom or ask some questions and try to gauge where they're coming from or gauge where their mind's at. But yeah, it's certainly a struggle. There's a lot of different voices in the athlete's ears at all times. So being the one that they, they rely on when it comes to nutrition is, is a constant challenge. I have so many things I want to say. I don't know where to start. <laughs> it's so like, it's, it's gotta be a lot of like ego swallowing too, when, you know, you want to say something, but it's not the right moment and you know, the right situation for a, a lot of that. And you're right when they're already the number one, <laughs> what's the motivation for them at some point? I get it. I do. It's not life uh, or death, you know, right? it's like, it's not life or death. Like we can optimize nutrition. We can, we can reduce your risk of injury, which for a lot of them, you know, that's the big thing is is keeping them from being injured or speeding their recovery from injury. A lot of times that's the first time I'm going to get to talk to them really and really get through to them is when they have an injury um, because they're a little bit more <laughs> aware that maybe something didn't go exactly right to get them there. Um, or the ones that are interested in doing this for, for pro, if they're interested in going into the WNBA or NBA or overseas somewhere, then, you know, talking to them from a longevity, how do you stay in sport? for as long as possible so that you can make money. You know, sometimes that's the direction of the conversation. But at the end of the day, if they don't drink a pre-workout you know, uh, or don't have a pre-workout snack or they don't have a recovery snack, like they're going to be okay, but <laughs> there's still a lot we can do to make them better. Yes. And I think it's awesome that to see social media being such an amazing tool for you to get through to your students, because I think about back when, Jenna and I both went to Penn State. I did a little bit um, with Chris Clark and the athletes at Penn State and like social media wasn't a thing then like Instagram didn't mm -hmm. even exist. And I think about how we like met with the athletes and tried to educate them but it was like so stuffy because like that's what nutrition was. So like Jenna said, you know, Wolf of Wall Street or like uh, I see you have Breaking Bad memes and you know things that's Game of Thrones. Yes. <laughs> uh, what was the other one? Um, Shit's uh, Creek. Yeah, all over here. Um, what's the one with Ron Swanson? Why am I totally blanking on the name of that show? Oh, Parks and Rec. Thank you. I love that yeah. show. So just like all of these things, like that makes someone laugh. That gets the students' attention and it puts it into like layman's funny terms. And they're like, okay, like I get it. And it's so powerful. So, you know, people will knock social media all the time, but as three dietitians who love social media, we're here to say it helps educate. It really does. It works. And if, if you laugh along the way too, that makes it even better. 
And I also love that I see Cherubundi on here because I've recommended that quite a few times to my athlete clients because as a recovery, and now that I have your seal of approval, I feel really good about myself. Stamp <laughs> of approval on the Cherubundi. <laughs> <laughs> good work. So, so I think, you know, when it comes to educating your athletes and the difference between supplements and food. How do you have that conversation or where do you start with that? Because again, I think athletes have no time. Athletes have a lot of expectation and huge needs, but so do human beings, right? Like human beings have no time, a lot of expectations, and they want something that will make them feel good and help them with sport or not. Like, how do you have that conversation and the difference between supplements and food? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's different for everybody. Like here for the basketball teams, I'm providing them a lot of food and a lot of their meals every day. So they don't have to make that many decisions uh, beyond what's in this building. Cause they're getting a lot of, they're getting a lot of resources, certainly not true for other sports and, and other places though. And I have private clients as well that I work with that they're doing it all on their own. Um, so it's different for everybody, but always, you know, I'm talking about food first. First, it's like a lot of times it's demystifying food and like letting people know, like there's there's no food off limits. Like we can have everything um, and that we can meet our needs with, without supplements. In most cases, um, we can meet our needs without supplements. Um, there are, you know, there's a few, there's a few supplements that are certainly helpful. Something like creatine, you know, that something can be helpful, but for them, like I'm having a conversation of let's look at your diet first. If your diet isn't a solid, if you're not getting in um, a consistent intake throughout the day, if you're not checking a few of the, the boxes and, and hitting some of the lowest hanging fruit first, then we're not even having a conversation about supplements, right? Because there's just potential dangers there. A lot of times it's speaking to the potential dangers and the unknowns. Um, a lot of my athletes do care about ingredients. So when I tell them, hey, supplements, we don't always know what ingredients are in there. There's proprietary blends. If it's not third-party tested, we don't know that the label, uh, what the ingredient says actually match matches what's in the product. Um, so, you know, I help provide them that education. A lot of them don't realize that. Um, so that alone can be a big deterrent. And then again, going back to that trust, they're, they're looking at me to tell them what what they should or shouldn't use, what is and isn't helpful. Um, some of them come to me with a laundry list of things they're already taking and I'll go one by one and I'll, I'll give them feedback on why this may or may not be a good choice, send them a link to a, a post or something like that. And, um, and that seems to be helpful. But Luckily, I haven't gotten too many people that are just crazy into supplements. Um, if I was working in like baseball or football, that might be a different story. <laughs> That's so interesting. So nobody, um, you don't tell them to take chlorophyll. <laughs> I'm looking at that all the here. time. <laughs> we are recording like, this during the chlorophyll craze oh on TikTok. Um, so I'm like, homie, you eat no spinach. Like, just throw some spinach <laughs> in that smoothie and let's go. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> that is amazing, and I love, I love how you said food first, and and just kind of making it so simple and. I want to kind of pivot. I have a question of, you know, we've talked a lot about student athletes and working with them. And, you know, we have a lot of RDs to be that listen to this podcast and a lot of dietitians in training. And I find that so many people or so many dietitians in training feel like they can't work in the sports space if they are, um, you know, if they're aligned with intuitive eating or health at every size and, and, or, you know, if they're trying to fight diet culture, it's really hard when you you're in a space where a lot of people don't even know what 
haze is or intuitive eating. So what would you have any tips for any like future dietitians that want to work in the sport space, but also are very passionate about anti-diet and how you've kind of married those two together? Yeah. So I'll say, you know, first off, I'm not full intuitive eating. I, mm-hmm. I would love to be, I, I would love to see the marriage more of that in sport. And that's something I'm certainly interested in learning more about how, how we can fuse those two together. Um, but coming from the anti-diet space, gosh, like there's no, no good comes from an athlete immersed in diet culture. No good comes from that. Um, and the more that we put like restrictions on this, eat this, not that, um, count your calories, track your food, like all of these sorts of things that doesn't help these athletes, especially those that are coming from an aesthetic sport or, or maybe don't have the body type that fits the quote unquote norm of their sport. Like that's already such a challenge for that, for them. Um, when we talked a moment ago and I said, it's not life or death. When you have someone that's like in like eating disorders in sport, which is so, so common. Um, you know, there's where we have real, real concerns. We have some real athletes struggling. And so the more that we're um, trying to, I guess, have sort of diets and restriction with, with athletes, we push them further and further or closer and closer to, to that, um, to that ledge. And, and that helps nobody. Um, that's where we have injuries. That's where we have health concerns. That's where we have just athletes struggling or just, or falling out of love with sport or not able to continue their sport because of everything going on. Um, so you definitely can marry the two. And I think the more that you can do to establish, um, an anti-diet presence and a body positivity presence and a haze presence, um, the more you're helping your athletes um, as a whole. I love how you said, mm-hmm. like pushing them, you said like pushing them to the edge of potentially even falling out of love with their sport. And I think that's what's so beautiful about your position is that you're not only helping them continue to love what they're doing. And that's the whole reason they're there, but also produce that longevity in sport with, you know, fueling them and optimizing their performance. So it fits so, so beautifully together. Totally. I think a lot of what people don't understand too, and you kind of touched on this before, sometimes your first touch point with athletes is when they're injured. But I think the understanding that being well-nourished can help prevent that injury from happening is such a huge education opportunity too for this field as a whole. Um, Obviously there's one-off scenarios, but you know, eating properly to fuel your body for the sport that you're playing is so important. Um, And that prevention is key. So you have such an amazing role and to be able to just drop those sprinkles of knowledge of haze and intuitive eating with the sport needs is just incredible. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) So for all of our listeners, if you could leave them with one knowledge bomb, like if they only remember one thing walking away from this podcast, what would you want it to be? Oh, sheesh. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh. Uh, What would be the answer? Um, gosh, one knowledge bomb. There's so many, there's so many potential things here. You can talk to one student athlete and you could talk to one dietetic intern, dietitian to be. So those might be a little different. Okay. Okay. Uh, If I was talking to a student athlete, it would be, you know, encouraging them to make peace with food because food is, it's fuel, but it's way, way more than that as we know, right? Food is so much more. And, um, 
that when you're a high performing athlete, you need lots and lots of food. And that can be a variety of delicious things, um, including all of the things that you, that you like and that you love. Um, and then if I was talking to an intern, um, it would be, gosh, get on social media, (laughs) get on social media and start sharing your message. There are a lot of people on social media sharing messages that they shouldn't be sharing, um, (laughs) that we do not need any more of. Um, so it's important for all of us to show up in the spaces that people are getting information and being. Um, credible sources of information there so that they uh, just hopefully at some point be louder than all of the noise of diet culture. I'm like lost in your Instagram while you're talking about this too. It's amazing. That's great advice. because <laughs> Your page is the type of page where like you can go in there and laugh, get lost in it. You want to see more, but also learn so much. Um, and for the right person, like it's a very hard message to sell in the pop culture world that you've done a very great job of. Appreciate it. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> well, for anybody listening, Jessica, if they want to find you to learn more, where would the best place be for them to go? Uh, on social, whether it's Instagram or uh, TikTok at Jessica, the sports RD. Thank you so much for being here with us today. You're so welcome. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of What the Actual Fork Pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there, and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all your friends and faves, and follow along with us on social at what the actual fork pod we promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics greatest guests and the most fun you can possibly have while fighting diet culture bullshit we love you we appreciate you and we will see you next week for a lot more fun